1894, Clayton, New York was shocked to a horrific scene when a ship couldn't outlast a storm on the mighty Lake Ontario and all hands on deck lost their lives. I'm Matt. And I'm Meg. And this is Your Town Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is uh, this is another good one. Shout out to Meg coming back for this episode, episode eighteen, and coming up with the topic. Pretty excited about this one. What about you? I think it's a good one. It's a pretty good one. It's about a town in Clayton, New York, and uh, we're, we're going to jump in there. And also, shout out to the Deluxe Edition Network. We are obviously a part of the Deluxe Edition Network. So if you guys want over at deluxeeditionnetwork.com, they got a couple of cool podcasts of the month. Make sure you check those out as well. It's the Quad Pro Quo and the Broken System Podcast. Check them out, deluxeedition.com. Are right, you ready to jump into this one? Yep. I don't know why I say jump into them. A lot of the ones that we do have to do with water and bad things that happen in water. I, I got to mix up. I, can, I need a new phrase. I feel like it suits, though. Okay. Yeah. Let's jump into this one. October 11th, 1894. Today that's going to live in the brains of many people, especially in the small village of Clayton, New York. Clayton is a town in Jefferson County, which is obviously in the United States. New York is about what, 45 minutes or so from us. Ish. Yeah. They got a they got a little brewery there. They got some wood-fired pizza. Very tourist town. Uh, a lot of people come up this way to see the Thousand Islands, to see Lake Ontario, to see the St. Lawrence River, see the Bassmasters. Population is about 5,100 people, according to a census that was in 2010. I don't, why are censuses so old? Why are census Why is census so hard to say? Censuses. <laughs> Either way, the, uh, the town of Clayton is named after John M. Clayton, who was, uh, was a federal political leader from Delaware. The town contains a village also named Clayton. Both are northwest of Watertown. Have you heard of Watertown? Maybe you haven't. Maybe you haven't heard of the story. But either way, on this particular day, Lake Ontario was getting a very brutal storm. And this storm and the water was actually described as angry, hostile, and forbidding, with gale force winds blowing from the northwest and just kept getting more and more powerful. I mean, you've seen Lake Ontario uh, during a storm. I feel like you could easily describe that as angry, hostile, and forbidding. Correct. It, it, it's pretty, it can get pretty wild. Mm-hmm. And any storms coming from the north tend to be more intense, I yep. feel like. Yeah, oh, 100%. And mm. this, is, this is one that was always going to be remembered for many reasons. Somewhere... Out in this storm, though, there was a three-mast vessel traveling from Detroit to Cape Vincent, and it was actually carrying 22,000 bushels of grain. The boat named the Hartford. The Hartford was built by uh, built at the Lynn and Craig Shipyard, which is in Michigan, Town City, whatever. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that one. Do you know how to say that? Gibraltar. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, nailed it. And it was actually <laughs> launched initially after it was uh, built in September of 1872. So this ship was only 21 years old when it uh, got stuck in the storm. But apparently the Hartford was spotted at Nine Mile Point, which is a pretty good ways out there. And this it was spotted about 10 or 11 in the morning. Water just smashing over the deck and the boat itself was just being thrown all over the lake. Witnesses on shore could see that the blue flag with three stars on the mast, which means the ship was in distress. Could you imagine being a witness of this just seeing this ship being thrown around and just feeling helpless like there's just nothing you could really do. I know. Couldn't imagine. 
I mean, nowadays, everybody would just be on cell phones recording the thing instead of trying to help. But back then, this is 1894. They don't have them, and they probably don't even have other boats that can really get out there and help these guys. Mm. But if that wasn't worse enough, the ship's just being thrown all over the place. The wind then shifts, and it actually started to push the ship towards the shore and the breakers. So the captain and the crew decided that their lives would be put in jeopardy more if they struck the shore. So then they decided that they were going to anchor out far enough and just kind of ride out the storm on this very, very angry lake. I mean, hindsight, you wouldn't want this ship to just run to shore. You know what I mean? That's You got to give yourself a chance. Ah, I mean, a lot of rocks. A lot of rocks. Uh, especially with the speed and, and I don't know. I'm not a sailor. I just know that that would not be a good time. But mm. uh, So the lake... You know, it was getting angrier and angrier and had other plans for this boat. The wind shifted again. So the ship was then carried toward the northernmost tip of Mexico Bay. And this area in Mexico Bay was one and still to this day is dreaded by sailors and boats. Just a very tough place to navigate, uh, I guess, from what I've read. The Hartford, two miles from shore, six miles from the town of Ellisburg and 10 minutes from Mansville, New York. And the crew was finally able to anchor, uh, get the anchor overboard and actually into the water. It was then said that they struggled for another two hours while they were anchored, just kind of staying afloat, struggling, just trying everything that they could do to not have this boat sink. But then at two o'clock in the afternoon, the unthinkable happens and the Hartford actually sinks. Dun, dun, dun. There it is. Several local papers like the Clayton Independent, the Ogdensburg Advance, and the St. Lawrence Weekly Democrat all broke the story that not only did the Hartford sink, but all seven people on the boat had actually unfortunately lost their lives. The victims included Captain William, but he was known around those parts as Billy O'Toole, who actually was 45 years old, lived in Clayton. Uh, Captain's wife, Mary was also on the boat, 35 years old, and they had their baby girl who was just six months old. And he wasn't just the captain, though. He was a partial owner of the ship. Correct. Yep. Yep. Partial owner and, yes, captain. Apparently really, really good captain. He he was very well known throughout a lot of different places. Um, You know, obviously navigate from Detroit in in this, you know, terrible tragedy. But, yeah, very, very well known captain and and good at what he did. Uh, Good enough to, yeah, be a potential uh or not a potential but an actual owner of this the o'toole's left five kids orphaned that range from ages 11 all the way to three mary had operated a tailor shop in the village of clayton and according to the watertown daily times they actually had a conversation with the grandmother and mary was only on the ship because her husband needed a cook but then they also asked their nine-year-old to come on board to help uh, help take care of the baby and, you know, just kind of be another uh, helping hand in there. But apparently the nine-year-old was just having a really, really tough time, couldn't uh, settle down, just, you know, real, real bad. So they ended up stopping the boat in Cape Vincent and uh, the nine-year-old got off, which... Maybe with hindsight, maybe the nine-year-old kind of knew the the, the storm was coming. Yeah, or... some said they thought it might be intuitive. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for, but I probably couldn't say it right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, ter- just a terrible thing. But it was also reported that uh, Mrs. O'Toole was, um, 
and this is this is how I don't know it's reported, but apparently it was reported somehow in uh, in the article that we did that Mrs. O'Toole rushed to the cabin so herself, the husband, and their baby when the boat was going down could all go down together and, and you know what I mean, be there for each other. So not exactly sure how that is, but I mean, I guess I could see that. Yeah. And she was seen following him around the deck. And oh, that's too. what it was, witnesses yeah. to her. Gotcha. Um, unfortunately, this isn't a, a good thing or a great image or anything, but the tiny body of the infant, the six-year-old, was the only body to ever be recovered as it washed up on shore sometime later. They were able to um, get it to the coroner and, um, you know, determine the cause of death was drowning. So then they obviously assumed that the other six people on board also uh, perished because of, of drowning as well. Man, I couldn't but the other other members on the boat was first mate uh, Damis or Damas Turgeon, Ter- 45 years old, William Donaldson, 18 years old, Dennis McCarthy of Oswego. Uh, and then there was also reports that Richard Seymour and a Michael Purcell were on the boat, but apparently they were on leave at the time, thankfully for them. So Augsburg Journal wrote on October 12, 1894, that a life-saving crew at Sandy Creek started but had to return for lifeboat and lines before they could actually reach the boat. And obviously the boat went down. But it was it was a big stir for the local people because obviously they were very upset. And they, they thought that the life-saving crew just waited too long. They didn't do enough, um, you know, from putting their lives at risk to save this crew. And, I mean, you, you've read the article and you've read a little bit of some stuff on there. <laughs> one thing that I thought interesting, too, was one of the, the first mates brother i believe it was was interviewed by a paper and just kind of said hey with the conditions the boats they had and everything like that they they would have definitely put their lives at risk and he he truly thinks that there was no way that anybody was going to be able to get to them by the time they anchored how far out they were how bad the storm was how you really needed a good crew to navigate that he thought that they did as best as they could and and didn't really hold anybody accountable I did read that. So, I mean, somebody very, obviously very close, the brother of somebody that Paris kind of sticking his neck out saying, hey, they they did as much as they could. But a um, lot of reports out there that you could kind of, if, if you want to Google, kind of like we do, and we'll give our sources here in a little bit. And uh, a lot of archives of papers, a couple of, that we didn't mention yet that were out there is the Oswego Daily. Um, what's that? Pal- palladium? Palladium? Pal- palladium? Really good with words. And the Watertown Reunion. A couple of papers. Not around anymore, but a lot of archives and really cool stories. And the day after the incident, many people came from far, far away to view the wreckage, but it couldn't be seen because the water was too deep. Divers did attempt to find the remains of the victims and reported that the hall had remained intact as it sank to the bottom. So they were really hoping that they were going to be able to tow it out, get it up, and you know, get it get it to shore. Maybe find some people, you know, at least have the boat back. But they wanted to turn it into a tow barge. That's okay. Yeah, that's what it was. They wanted yeah. to turn it. Yep. So they wanted to get it there, but it was in 40 foot of water covered and already just embedded into the sand. I mean, the next day. So uh, it's pretty much still there. But one thing we did mention earlier is the Mexico Bay. There have reportedly been over 100 shipwrecks and grounding in that bay uh, over the last couple of centuries. But what's really fascinating is. After really long, rough winters, 
and I know in 2020 this happened. Some of the shipwreck from this one and a couple of the other ones that uh, that are well known. There's another really big one that happened in pretty much in the same area, but this one here with the Hartford, actually a couple of pieces washed to shore, and uh, the community was you know kind of able to see and, and have a unfortunately a reminder of of the tragic incident. But uh, there was there was a couple of things in in. One of the websites, thousandislandslife.com, that I was reading. And in the comments, there was actually, I don't know how true it is, but I have to imagine it is if they put it in there, that it was a descendant of somebody that was on the ship. And they thought it was really cool to be able to see the pictures, not only of the of the shipwreck, but the remains that happened and, and just kind of to bring the story to light again after so many years. I wonder if when these pieces wash up do they put them in like the local museums you would like think the they would have museums you think they would have to but i mean i'd have to imagine if the person that finds it wants to keep it maybe put it on the wall or a mantle or something i would think that they would get rights but maybe they kind of cool to have it yeah you would think i have I'd it think. on display with like a write-up maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was like the ribs of the ship and, uh, and a couple of things. Like I said, if you guys want to check it out, thousandislandslife.com. Um, like I said, there were, there's some pictures and some stuff like that from like Ontario, Mexico Bay. So um, that's one of the sources that we used, obviously, for the pictures and, and that little bit. And the other one was a, a great book by Sherry L. Farnsworth, um, Historic North Country Disasters. So another cool book where we were able to kind of read an article, put the article in, in our terms, and it's uh, really cool. A lot of the good work that Sherry has done for the uh, for the, the local community and the history. And again, if you have any, um, and here here's for anybody watching, not just listening. Here is what the book looks like, and it can be picked up in. Uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, a lot of cool stuff. A lot of stuff. I mean, from Messina to Clayton to Potsdam, Norwood. Um, even the article that we did on episode ten with the greatest show on earth train crash. There's uh, there's some pictures and stuff in there as well. So if you're looking for it, pick it up. If not, we're going to continue to cover articles from that and a couple of the other books that we have done. A lot of crazy history has happened in this north country and if there's any crazy history that's happened in your town we'd love to hear your stories shoot us an email send us a message on instagram whatever you want we'd love to dig in and, and cover your story and uh I'd like to leave you guys with a quote life is a shipwreck but we must not forget to sing in the lifeboats that was voltaire so that's all i got i don't know if you have anything else meg i do not but i like that quote that was a good quote right it is a good quote seemed fitting all right. So remember. I live my life by that now. There we go. <laughs> Just sing the songs in the lifeboat. So can't thank everybody enough for taking some time, letting uh, letting us be in your ear holes. So we can talk about some cool history. Uh, this is your town, your stories. See you next time. Goodbye. Bye.